Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. Raising Red Flags. The reintroduction of the Violence Against Women Act raises concerns among pro-life organizations. We speak to Jessica Anderson, Executive Director of Heritage Action, who highlights the dangers this bill can cause to women across the nation. Abortions drop in Texas. Texas sees a 60% decrease in abortions since the implementation of the Texas Heartbeat Law. Kimberlyn Schwartz from Texas Right to Life joins us to discuss the encouraging numbers and the primary election going on in her state. Guiding Mothers in Need. A new partnership between Human Coalition and Students for Life of America supports mothers going through an unexpected pregnancy in college and beyond. Reverend Dean Nelson, Vice President of Human Coalition, joins us to discuss the pro-life initiative and tells us how we can help as pro-life advocates. Democrat and Republican senators have reintroduced the Violence Against Women Act. While the bill is being framed as a compromise, some groups are raising red flags, highlighting that the legislation still includes the same concerning anti-woman pro-abortion provisions that it has in past iterations. A piece written by experts at Heritage Action emphasizes the bill's key flaws. If the legislation were to pass, vulnerable women would be forced to share intimate spaces with men due to the new definitions of sex discrimination, and its provisions also promote abortion. Despite these concerns, women across the cultural spectrum support the bill, such as Angelina Jolie and pro-life Senator Joni Ernst. In other news, the Women's Health Protection Act is also up for a vote in the Senate, which would nullify all state pro-life laws that have already been signed into law and codify abortion on demand at the federal level. And joining us now for analysis on the Violence Against Women Act is Jessica Anderson, Executive Director of Heritage Action. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Now, Jessica, this bill is called the Violence Against Women Act, but it seems like it would put biological women in more danger than anyone. Can you explain why? So unfortunately, what the Violence Against Women Act does is it, it doesn't protect women. It doesn't do anything that the bill would art hope to articulate it does. It actually puts biological women in jeopardy because of the provisions around gender identity and sex identity where women and men would be forced to share the most intimate of chambers. Um, and so that's concerning. It's also concerning how they've used the bill and really hijacked it to put forward these SOGI provisions that put women last when it comes to their protection in the most vulnerable of states. So it's really disappointing that the bill has taken, a, I think, a turn for the worse. Mm -hmm. Yes, and the text of this bill includes a phrase, reproductive coercion. Can you explain how that phrase can be used to promote abortion? Absolutely. So what reproductive coercion means is that if a woman were to get pregnant, she could be coerced or forced into an abortion from that male. Oh so it, it's, it's two problems, right? It ostracizes the pro-life man that might want to support the woman to bring the baby to turn, to maybe pursue other alternatives mm -hmm. like adoption. And then the second, it forces the woman to basically be put into a corner to have an abortion doesn't offer any of the other solutions that are out there for women that might actually need help. So we're concerned about the Violence Against Women Act because it doesn't protect women in any of these ways, both with the language of how it defines biological women and then with these pro-abortion policies. Mm -hmm. And what are some potential alternatives to what's being proposed in the Violence Against Women Act that would actually help women and protect them? So there's, there's a couple answers to that, actually, Prudence. One is that 
the actual office itself is already funded. Mm. So the very basic bare minimum of what the office should do without this cultural agenda on top is already funded by Congress. So that's one. I see. But second of all, there are so many resources available through churches, through private charities that actually embrace and take care of women mm -hmm. in these very vulnerable domestic situations. So if there is a woman that actually needs help, she can get that in other ways, not through the federal government and certainly not on the backs of this cultural agenda that puts women last. Mm -hmm. And I understand that the Women's Health Protection Act is also up for debate in the Senate. Just wanted to get your quick thoughts on that. Can you give us your brief reaction to that legislation? Well, it's it's also disappointing that um, even though we have a tied Senate that and we have so many pro-life uh, rock-solid senators in the Senate, and I'm hoping that they stand up and they say enough is enough. We're not going to allow big pro-choice bills to pass, certainly not when we have this huge Dobbs case standing in front of the Supreme Absolutely. Court. And so let's let Dobbs finish. Let's get through the 4th of July. And then states are actually going to be able to take really the bull by the horns and pass pro-life legislation at the state level. And so I'm eager for that as opposed to the both of these bills moving through the Congress when they when they really don't need to. Mm -hmm. And can you speak briefly to just what these pieces of legislation say about our culture today and how our culture approaches women? So unfortunately, I think the mainstream American culture doesn't understand that, that women are unique gifts from God. Mm -hmm. And what we want to see is an embracement of that and embrace, embracing women as opposed to trying to put them on the front lines of this radical social agenda, everything from the draft our daughters provisions that we debated in the Congress last year right. to now this VAWA re reauthorization. It's, in, in, it's an indicament of just how broken our culture is when it comes to the view of women. Mm, could not agree more. Jessica Anderson of Heritage Jackson, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And joining us now for more on the Women's Health Protection Act is Elizabeth Kirk, Associate Scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute and Director of the Center for Law and the Human Person at Catholic University of America. Thanks for being with us, Elizabeth. Now, with the Women's Health Protection Act back up for a potential vote in the Senate, what do pro-life people need to be concerned about? Has anything changed about this radical bill since it was being considered last year? It's not different. Um, it, I think what, what people need to be concerned about is a law that is meant to impose immediately upon passage uh, abortion on demand throughout the entire pregnancy until the moment of birth nationwide. So it's meant, its purpose to, is to invalidate nearly all laws, you know, existing state laws that regulate or restrict abortion. So at the very moment where the Supreme Court is possibly poised to overturn Roe, and return ab abortion policy to the states, uh, you have um, politicians who don't trust that the you know that abortion can be worked out through the legislative process at the state. So they're seeking to federalize uh, abortion access. Mm. And the Senate is set to vote on the act on February 28th. Is there a chance this becomes law? Not at this point. Um, all reports seem to indicate that they don't have enough votes uh, for the bill to pass in the Senate. Uh, and that instead it's it's sort of a symbolic show of support uh, for Planned Parenthood, especially, as I said, at a time when the Supreme Court might be uh, re or is reconsidering Roe. Um, I think that being said, even though it's not going to pass, it's worrisome in the sense that this bill or, or one like it has been proposed for years in Congress. And this past term, this this year, is the only time in which it's actually come to the floor for a vote and passed in the House. So if the Democrats are in November can hold the House and pick up more seats in the Senate, 
it would pass. Mm -hmm. And I know you're an expert on policy related to this issue. Can you speak to how this bill compares to other attempts in the past to expand abortion on demand? Is it worse? Is it the same? Well, I would say it's worse. I mean, it's comparable in the sense that there are other radical efforts to enshrine this unlimited abortion access up until the moment of birth uh, at the state level. So, for example, you've seen states like Illinois that legislatively have abolished all their abortion regulations, including this past term. You know, they even abolished parental notification. And you also have states like Kansas, which judicially, the Supreme Court a couple of years ago found a natural right to abortion in the state constitution, which invalidates all of the pro-life laws that the people of that state have passed over the last couple of decades. So you've had sweeping efforts at the state level. What's different and worse about this law is that it's a federal nationwide, um, you know, it has federal nationwide uh, effect and would immediately as I said, invalidate all state legislation throughout the entire country. Right, right. And Senator Bob Casey has said he will vote to allow the bill to proceed in the coming days, somewhat surprisingly, um, stating that he hopes there can be a focus during debate on, quote, providing for the needs of pregnant women and babies. Is this at all realistic, given the pro-abortion provisions that are laid out here? I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, not only the pro-abortion provisions, but the, the stated purpose of the law is to promote access to abortion. I mean, that's that's the entire purpose of, of this bill. Right. And so it's perplexing to think that a debate on it would focus on the care of pregnant women um, and their babies. I think one thing I would say is that, you know, one of the biggest casualties of abortion policy has been the notion of a pro-life Democrat, right? Something that uh, Senator Casey well knows from how his father was treated by the party. So I think there are many Democrats who care deeply about pregnant women and their babies and their pro-life. And I think they should resist, you know, the, the extreme abortion advocacy that has held their party hostage mm. uh, and, and, you know, should try to work, work together um, with people across the ideological political spectrum who do care about women and babies and mm. pass meaningful legislation, not political theater, you know, to appease Planned Parenthood. Yes, very well said. Elizabeth Kirk of the Charlotte Lozier Institute and the Catholic University of America, thanks for joining us. Sure, thanks for having me. A new report from the Texas Health and Human Services Commission shows a significant drop in abortion since the implementation of the Texas Heartbeat Law. The state agency report shows a total of 2,197 abortions in September 2021, when the Texas Heartbeat Act took effect. That is a 60% decrease from the month before, which reported 5,404 abortions. According to an estimate from Texas Right to Life, the lives of around 100 babies are being saved each day from abortion in Texas, thanks to this new law. And joining us now is Kimberlyn Schwartz, Director of Media and Communications at Texas Right to Life. Kimberlyn, in light of how many lives it has saved, can you share with us the significance of the Texas Heartbeat Law? Absolutely. The course of human history has changed with every new human life that uh, God grants to be in our new human family. And the amazing impact that this law is having means that we're not just saving one life. And even if this law saved just one life, it would be completely worth it. Of course. But it's so incredible 
to see that we're saving about 100 lives every single day because of this law. It gives us a glimpse into what the world will look like, hopefully, when Roe v. Wade is overturned. Yes. And pro-abortion activists claim that this law is endangering women and that it's extremely restrictive. Can you speak to how it's actually liberating women and children from abortion? Absolutely. All of us are lifted up whenever we choose life, whenever someone in our community is facing a difficult pregnancy and knowing that she has the resources to come and um, actually choose life, that she's not burdened by the pain of abortion and the feeling that I have no other option, that I can't do anything else, that those chains are gone. And the fact that we can minister to those women that Texas has stepped up dramatically, not in just uh, stopping abortions like we're doing with the Texas Heartbeat Act, but at the same time, the state of Texas increased the budget for all our alternatives to abortion program to $100 million for pregnancy centers, adoption agencies, maternity homes, and more, so that these women will actually have the resources to choose life. And we've seen that in play with a um, huge skyrocketing number of the number of women going to pro-life pregnancy centers since the Texas Heartbeat Act took effect. Mm, life is certainly winning in Texas. How is your organization working to help mothers who find themselves in an unexpected pregnancy? What other resources are there in Texas for pregnant women? Our priority is establishing the statewide network of pro-life pregnancy centers, making sure that women on the ground in their communities have the resources that they need to choose life and making that widely accessible all across the state. So that's why Texas Right to Life has championed the Alternatives to Abortion program. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can go to texaspregnancy.org or go to our website, texasrighttolife.com and click on the Pregnancy Assistance tab and making sure that women have a place to go, that they know that these resources are in their community. We've seen that uh, skyrocket in interest since the Texas Heartbeat Act took effect. And so we're just uh, doubling down on that very successful program to make sure that we're not only stopping abortions, but we're actually creating a culture of life. Mm. And let's shift gears for just a moment. The Texas primaries are underway, I understand, and early voting has already started. Which candidates are pushing for pro-life protections, and how will this election impact all of the pro-life work and success that's happening in Texas? The entire success of the Texas Heartbeat Act is at stake here. You have a number of Republicans who actually moved to weaken the Texas Heartbeat Act. There were a total of five Republicans that after the law took effect, they were trying to add exceptions into the law during a special session. And four of those Republicans, four of the five Republicans are running for reelection. Mm -hmm. They do not deserve pro-life voters' attention or trust. Uh, on the flip side, we have over 100 pro-life candidates who are dedicated to ending abortion and protecting all unborn children and vulnerable patients. You can go to our website, texasrighttolife.com, and click on the uh, Voter Guide tab up there or text VOTE to 40237. The fact that we're upon, hopefully, a post-Roe society, that we're going to have the opportunity to make sure that abortion is illegal in our state and that we're fostering a culture of life to where every life is protected and cherished, that that's when our pro-life values are needed the most and not the least. Hmm. Kimberlyn Schwartz of Texas Right to Life, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Coming up, a new movie receives praise for its pro-abortion message, but fails to address the actual needs of expecting mothers. I speak out. Plus, Human Coalition partners with other pro-life groups in a new initiative to support expectant mothers. We have the details next.
Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. A new movie is glorifying abortion and completely missing the mark on the true needs of pregnant women. That is this week's Speak Out segment. The movie Happening is getting lots of traction among pro-abortion media and film world elites after being featured at this year's Sundance Music Festival. The film, which won the Golden Lion Award, profiles a young college woman named Anne, living in France in the 1960s. When Anne finds herself unexpectedly pregnant, she immediately wants to have an abortion, but has a difficult time obtaining one due to the atrocity that abortion was still viewed as in that time. Her closest friends abandon her, leaving her isolated, with no options and no choice but to attempt to perform an abortion on herself. Film critics have praised Happening as a timely movie that seems, quote, all too current in an attempt to equate current pro-life laws that protect women and children to the way that women facing unplanned pregnancies were treated 50 years ago. The movie will be released to the general public in May of this year. This dramatic attempt to travel back in time for a glimpse into the future of abortion in our world is inaccurate and misguided. It uses the tragic example of one woman to try and scare the world into believing that pro-life people want to force women to give birth and are totally absent to women when they are alone and need help the most. It also ignores the fact that 47 out of 50 European countries limit abortion at 15 weeks or earlier. France has particularly pro-life laws limiting abortions as early as 12 weeks. This is common sense. And this isn't 1960. This is 2022. The Atlantic calls this movie topical and timeless. In reality, it is dangerous and wildly outdated. Human Coalition has partnered up with Students for Life of America and other groups in a new initiative to support mothers facing an unexpected pregnancy. The initiative, Standing With You, helps women find the resources they need to become successful parents. Expecting mothers are able to connect with women who understand their unique situation. Mentors aim to guide mothers throughout their pregnancy and empower them to know that they are worthy and capable of choosing both their dreams and the life of their child. Joining us now via Zoom is Reverend Dean Nelson, Vice President of Human Coalition. Reverend, thanks for joining us. Could you tell us more about the partnership between Human Coalition and Students for Life of America in this initiative? Absolutely. We at Human Coalition are thrilled to be able to partner with Students for Life on this important issue, particularly engaging with women seeking abortions. Over the last year, we have worked together in a variety of cities where we are helping to engage with women, letting them know about resources that already exist so that they have the information necessary to make a healthy choice for herself and for her preborn child. I'm really excited and know that this great initiative, uh, backed by a host of pro-life groups and pro-life leaders, is going to be very successful in helping women in this potentially post-Roe world. And how does Standing With You specifically help young women in college going through an unexpected pregnancy? You know, one of the things that I saw in this initiative that I had not seen before, and great credit to Students for Life, was letting women know about their rights. As a father of uh, two college-age daughters, one of whom was a uh, D Division I athlete, there are unique challenges that women in college face oftentimes not being aware that they can keep their scholarships if they get pregnant. So what Students for Life has done is something that I haven't seen before, specifically engaging with uh, college-age women. Mm, this is certainly filling a gap. Standing With You also provides resources to women who are post-abortive. Why is that so important? 
you know, when we think about it, uh, some estimates have, you know, almost 25% and some more of women that are here in our country have experienced abortion. And so our heart, as well as Students for Life, is not just, say, serving the women who are seeking abortions today, but how can we get counseling and support from women sometimes who are uh, in silence uh, dealing with their past. And so I'm proud of Students for Life for uh, in this initiative, helping women who have perhaps had abortion in their past come to terms with it and get the help, healing, and counseling that they need to live a productive life. Yes. And why is it so important for women to know and to really feel that they're not alone during pregnancy? How can we most effectively share that message with women so that they'll truly believe it? You know, one of the things that we have done at Human Coalition is to engage with unique partners like the Church of God in Christ, who has uh, 6.5 million members, largely African-American, 12,000 congregations in mostly urban areas. We have begun to equip them to better understand how they can minister to women within their communities. Additionally, Human Coalition and Students for Life are working together with our Continuum of Care uh, program that walks with women uh, after they have given birth, uh, sometimes up to two years, making sure that they are aware of all of the resources that they need. We recognize that women typically need uh, resources in housing, material assistance, and employment. And we're walking together with Students for Life to make sure that the women that we engage have knowledge of all of those resources uh, and letting, letting them know that they have a person that will walk with them, not just up until the point that they have their child, but also up to two years after. Mm. And on that note, how can our viewers receive more information on this pro-life initiative and other projects of the Human Coalition? Well, certainly they can visit us at uh, humancoalition.org. They can also go to Standing With You for this initiative that Students for Life has. Uh, we want people to learn more about how they can become effective advocates, whether they are helping women by doing a baby shower, whether they are offering uh, financial or material assistance, or counseling as well as mentorship. Those are some of the things that we, we believe particularly the church can do uh, to surround these women with love and encouragement. And we're really excited about this great initiative and hope that more and more people join along with us. Mm, well, we're so thankful for your work. Reverend Dean Nelson, Vice President of Human Coalition, thank you. Thanks so much. God bless you. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing prolifeweekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.